Welcome to Parenting Today's Teens, a daily podcast that provides stories, insights, and wisdom to help you gain a deeper relationship with your teen. On today's episode, Mark Gregston sits down for a conversation with a couple of Heartlight's teens. For the past two decades, Heartlight has become the country's premier residential counseling center and boarding school for struggling teens. Founded in 1998 by Mark Gregston and his wife Jan, Heartlight is a program that not only modifies behavior, but one that seeks to offer a unique transformative journey through a relational experience that offers counseling, small group therapy, academics, and activities. We hope you find encouragement as you listen to these stories today. Lizzie, thanks for being on the program. Man, it's good to have you. We finally get to sit down and talk a bit, huh? Yeah. Yeah. You know, tell me, you're at Heartlight, and uh, along with 60 other young people that are here, what got you here? Disrespecting my parents. Really? I mean, just just being disrespectful one time, and that was it? Uh, No, I never listened to what they told me to do. Like what? Uh, They told me to stay inside. Yeah. Or come back by a certain time, I would just do what I wanted to do. Yeah. I thought I knew what was best for myself. Did that start at a certain age or did it or did it just kind of just crop up? Because how old are you? Sixteen. Yeah. So I mean at age fifteen it started or has it been something that's been building over time? I think I've always just been an independent person. So I've just always thought that like what I know is the only way. <laughs> so I just it's either your way or the highway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when your parents tell you something different, you go, uh-uh, I'm not listening to that. Yeah. I'm not doing that. When did that start? Uh, probably in middle school. So fifth or sixth grade? Yeah. Something like that? Okay, so when things started, was everything good before that? Was I mean, did you guys always get along and... You give your parents coffee mugs that say, I love mom and world's greatest dad on Father's Day, you know, to your dad and stuff, or? Uh, yeah, kind of. Okay, so when did it start going bad? What was it that was happening that that made you think, you know what, I can do this better than them? Probably just when I, like, kept switching schools, I was getting angry at them because, like, I kept having to make new friends. So I was like, they don't know what they're doing. Why were you having to change schools? Just distance-wise, and, like, they didn't want to put me in public school for a while. Yeah. So I went back and forth, and it was just hard. You felt like you always had to be, you know, changing friends and finding new relationships? Yeah. You think that caused part of you you going, hey, I can do this on my own better than listening to them? Yeah. Did it hurt when they would say, hey, you're going to go to a different school? Yeah, it made me angry. Yeah. So when you got angry at them, was it... I'm going to kind of show that I'm angry at you by not listening to you? Yeah. And so it started to spin out. So how did they respond at first when when you would kind of do whatever you wanted to do? Um, They would try to ground me and work for a little bit, and then I found ways to get around it. <laughs> okay, so what, you just leave? Yeah. You just be gone and go, okay, you can ground me, but I'm not going to be here? Yeah. So what would you go do? I'd probably just stay with a friend. Sometimes, like, my friends would get sick of me, like, being around them all the time, so I'd just kind of be on my own. Okay, so when you were with your friends, 
and you knew that you weren't supposed to be away from home, were you thinking about your parents the whole time? No. You were just kind of going, let's do whatever? Yeah. Okay, were you doing stuff you shouldn't have been doing? Yeah. Like what? Uh, I got really bad into drugs and drinking. Yeah. Like in eighth grade, and then it just kept getting worse and worse. And ha- do you remember the first time that you got into that? Um, kind of. I mean, like, I was pretty young. I was just, like, with my neighbors. I have my brother's older than me. Yeah. So all his friends were always at my house. Yeah. So, so the first time you got high, how old were you? Uh, probably, like, 12. Wow. I mean, and, and when you look back on that now, do you go, man, that was young, or was it, eh, everybody's doing it? Well, now that I'm sober and I'm happy to be sober, yeah, it like, yeah, I was really young, and at the same time, I think like it's mm. like becoming normal. Yeah. Why do you think it's becoming normal? I think just because society's changing, it's just not the same. Like how is it speeding up so much that everybody wants to find relief? I just think that like kids are getting exposed to it like younger and younger. Yeah. So yeah. But don't you think that something's driving that? I mean, meaning this, that that they're exposed to it, yes, but there's some reason why they're embracing that. And whether it's getting high, getting drunk, you know, getting buzzed, whatever it is, I go, there's something that is driving them to it. Yeah, I think, honestly, at first it's just fun, and yeah. then you become dependent on it, and then you just can't stop because you're miserable without it. Okay, so did the disrespect start and then the drugs came, or did the drugs come and then the disrespect happen? Um, I think the drugs came and then the disrespect happened because yeah. I just wanted to do what I wanted to do. Is that why you kind of ignored them when they would say, stay home, we're grounded, yeah. you know, that you go, you know, I need it so bad, I just am going to go get. So what was the pressure that was causing that so much? I think just always being around it and like I was super depressed in eighth grade Hmm. um and I didn't know like how to deal with it and my parents didn't know what to do do you know why you were depressed um not really wow wow so it was just I just tried to like medicate myself yeah and I thought it was working didn't work too well huh no okay so they tell you Okay, we're tired of this. You know, you're going to go to Heartlight. I mean, were you going, oh, gee, that's wonderful. I'd love to do that. How did you respond? Well, I went to a different program before here, Mm -hmm. and I hated it because I didn't know I was going. Yeah. I got taken in the middle of the night. Wow. It was terrible, and I just didn't really know, like, what to think of it. I ended up coming to Heartlight, and... When I first got here, I was kind of, like, happy because, like, I hated my other program so much. Yeah. Um, But, like, as I stayed here, just routines got old and stuff, and counseling got harder. Yeah. So I kind of gave up for a little bit, but I was mad at my parents for a period of time. Yeah. For just taking me away from my environment. Yeah. So how's the relationship now? How do you guys get along now? It's really good. It's, we trust each other, and, like, I feel like I can tell them anything. Yeah. That was a big problem at home. I felt like they didn't understand anything that I 
had to say. So what do you think is going to keep you when you, you know, from going back along the same path when you get home? Um, I think just knowing that they're willing to like listen to me, mm-hmm. that they're really willing to help and they do care. Because a lot of times I would just feel like, okay, they, they're not even going to care when I tell them these things. Um, and also just being able to like think clearly Yeah. now that I like know what I'm doing and I'm not always high. Yeah. Okay. So what would you tell? I mean, we're, we're sitting here talking to parents. I doubt that there's any kids listening to this program, but I mean, it, what would you tell other parents, you know, looking at your family and your situation, what could other parents do differently to keep you from spiraling out of control if their child's you know, starting to spin out of control? What could they do? I think really just let them know that you're there for them. Because I know, like, a lot of times my parents would tell me, like, oh, yeah, we're here for you. But when I would tell them something, they get mad at me. Yeah. So I think, like, really making sure that, like, you're trying to see their side of the situation because otherwise you're just going to get angry and that just makes the situation worse. And so wh- when y'all would fight... What would you mainly fight over? Just how scared they were that I was, like, never telling them what I was doing or, like, half the time I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. Um, It was more out of fear than anger for them. So I think really communicating back and forth and, like, trying to get them, like I said, yeah. is something that's really important in a yeah. relationship. You think they've changed? Yeah. Yeah, I think they have, too. I think you've changed a lot, too. I mean, and that's going to be the key thing when you guys go back home and and start over and stuff. Hey, thanks for sharing your heart and being on the program today. You're welcome. Nobody cares more about their teen than moms. But even moms can get discouraged and distracted when watching their teen go through those difficult adolescent years. You can feel alone and helpless Unable to know how to encourage your teen, it can get hard to trust God's goodness in the midst of such hard times. Mark Gregston knows the feeling. That's why he wrote Prayers for My Teen. It's a book of prayers and devotionals to help moms keep their eyes on God and their hearts uplifted, even when your teen is struggling. Prayers for My Teen is a great addition to your purse, bedside, glove compartment, or desk drawer as a simple way of reminding you of God's faithfulness to you and love for your family. Get your copy of Prayers for My Teen at parentingteenresources.org. Mackenzie, thanks for um, joining us. Tell me a little bit about yourself. I mean, you're at Heartlight. How did you get to Heartlight? What was going on at home that, that kind of said, okay, something's got to stop. We've got to go to Heartlight. Well, I struggled a lot with anger and a lot of problems that had to do with family. I We argued a lot more than we fought, but there are times where we fought, like physically. Wow. And it was mostly my fault because of my anger, and that's pretty much what got me sent here because mm-hmm. of those problems. And I was sent to JDC, which is technically yeah. like juvie, and I was sent there twice and that was part of the reason why I was sent here, so they could get my anger under control and a lot of other problems that I had. Okay, well, we're talking a little bit about just technology and being online all the time. And what, you know, I mean, you smile when I start to say that. What is it that you 
that comes to your mind when I say technology? Definitely phones, iPhones, phones in general. Yeah. And I've really thought about this is everyone's life pretty much revolves around technology these days. Yeah. And it makes me laugh because... I like I don't remember, but I know I've heard like my parents told me like how it was when there wasn't phones and all that, and there was those huge <laughs> like box ones and stuff, and it just it blows my mind how much like things wait, have changed. Wait, these huge box ones. What do you mean? Like, like those handheld huge ones with the pull-out antenna. Yeah, yeah, big old things. Yeah. I used to have one that was a big bag. You just open up the bag, and then pull <laughs> the receiver out of the bag, and I show that to people, and they go. God, like, when was that? Like 50 years ago? And I go, no, it was like 10 or 12 years ago. And so it's changed quite a bit, hasn't it? It has. Okay, so how do you think, I mean, so, so I, mean, you're, I mean, you're fooling around with your phone all the time. What do you use? Instagram, Snapchat? Uh, definitely Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Just anything you can to connect with folks. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how has it changed? You know, when did you get your first phone? When I was 12 years old. Okay. How did it change relationships around you? Well, when it came to my phone, I was more focused on my phone than I was on my family and stuff. Mm. And I became more distant from them. You guys just kind of whittled down conversation to just texting back Mm -hmm. and forth. Definitely. And having a phone, it really like messed with my family because... I just, I really like pulled away from them a lot and just focused on my phone. And why do you, why do you think you're so focused on your phone? I don't really know. It's just so interesting. Mm. Like having a phone, having some, like the new apps they have these days and everything, just being able to talk to people through your phone is pretty like cool. And it's like a privilege to have. I feel like it was for me at least. And I just, I was so fascinated by it and I was like, this is awesome, you know. Well, you know, and, and I think you know you, you think about how relationships. You and I are sitting here talking face to face, and do you think our conversation would be different if it was texting back and forth? Definitely, you don't see the emotion, you don't feel the emotions that are involved. You don't, you can't see them face to face, so you don't know like if they're mad, if they're upset. I mean, sometimes you can by the new emojis they have. But yeah, yeah. Other than that, I think it's really important to have these kind of conversations and not just speak through text. So do you think? So do you think that that I can say things to you without knowing whether it's making you sad or making you happy? Um, I mean, because you never know how it's going to be interpreted. If mm-hmm. I, if you and I are sitting here talking, I can say, "No, no, no, I didn't mean that," because I can see, you know, a tear come to your eye or something, or you're happy, and I can, you know, no, oh, no, this is what I'm really talking about. But that kind of gets lost, doesn't it? It does. It definitely does. And that's one of the things. That's why I, being here and not having a phone, it's been a relief for me, honestly. Because wow. it takes away, it makes you realize, like, what's out there. And, like, there's so many things we miss because we're just staring down at our phone all the time. Yeah. And it's been a relief not having to check my phone every second or every two seconds to see who's Snapchatting me and who's judging me now and all of these different things. It's been pretty much, it's been really good. Okay. Well, let me, let me ask you this. Okay. To see who's Snapchatting you, what's the drive for that? I mean, I do the same thing. My phone dings and it tells me, yeah, and I'm going, 
Okay, who is that? <laughs> what do you think that is inside of you that has got to get on it right now? I think it's the not knowing of who it is and like the excitement of, oh, I got a Snapchat. Like that's exciting to me. And and why is that exciting to you? What is that? What does that say to you when somebody? They want to talk to me. Like okay, and so so what does that mean to you that they want to talk to you? I don't know. Do you think there's a little bit of value that comes to that? That I feel valued that somebody wants me or? Yes, that comes with it. I mean, just knowing that someone's there like wanting to talk to you kind of makes me feel kind of like important. Mm. And I enjoy like knowing there's people there. But I also enjoy not knowing, you know, because sometimes yeah. it's it's it makes things easier to realize like what's around you instead of having this phone you're like absorbed in. Yeah. And Okay, the second thing that you said was to find out who's judging me. Or snap. What do you mean? Well, judging you. I mean, do you feel like that happens a lot? It does. It yeah. definitely does. Okay. So, are you just the next target for everybody to to kind of shoot into? And I mean, you just have to make sure that you're not or something. Or is it that you got to get on real quick and defend yourself? Well, it. I think it depends on the person. But for me personally, um, I mean, I've had a lot of people judge me in my life already. It's bound to happen. It's inevitable. But you have to see who's left the last comment on your Instagram post to see if it's a judgmental thing or a compliment or a Snapchat that's maybe negative or something like that. Or you look at their story and you see something like towards you, like that's happened to me personally. Yeah, yeah. And yes, I think it has to do with like having to defend myself, definitely. Okay, so since you got your phone, do you think people are meaner than they were than... When you didn't have your phone? Yes, I think people hide behind technology and definitely hide behind their phones because I've personally experienced, like, cyberbullying, and Mm. I know how that goes, so most definitely. Yeah. Think a lot of people have? Oh, yes. You think, do you think, I mean, they say that, like, one out of three girls have sent pictures of themselves, inappropriate pictures. Mm -hmm. Think that's accurate? One in three? Yeah, yes. Probably more? Probably less? What yes. do you think? I mean, I don't really know, like, the exact numbers, but if I was to, like, think about it, probably more. But it happens a lot. hmm Do you think that's just somebody's desire to want to connect with somebody else? I think it's the desire of attention, wanting mm-hmm. attention, and just wanting someone to want them, you yeah. know? It's interesting how technology has changed the way that people relate to each other, you know, and it's, and it's just different. I think it's kind of neat that you say, I haven't had my phone and it's kind of nice. It really is. It's, you know? it's, a, it's honestly a relief to me. I didn't realize how much is around me until mm. I got my phone taken from me. And at home, it wasn't really a punishment for my phone to get taken away from me. But being here and having it gone away and like, just my surroundings, it's pretty It's pretty cool. Wow, wow. Hey, well, thanks for being on the program. Of I mean, course. it's um, it's always good to have you come in and, and sit down and talk <laughs> a bit. Uh, love your family? Yes, definitely. Feel like your family loves you? At times. There's times where I struggle, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> that you struggle with their love or they struggle with loving you? 
with their love. I struggle with their love sometimes, really? accepting it. Why is that? I just, I've always had, I've always pushed people away, and love is kind of a issue for me. I, myself, like, I don't believe that I'm a person that could be loved. It's, a, it's has more, like, deeply rooted issues to it, mm. but... Okay, now that's that's hard for me to even embrace. You're a kind sweetheart of a gr- I go, how can anybody not love you? <laughs> Have you been able to figure out what it is on the inside that that makes you feel like you're not worthy of being loved? I think it definitely has to do with how I grew up and different negative things that oh. really brought me down and I think it's kind of been drilled into my head a bit, and so I've told myself that ever since and made myself believe that, and that's one of the things I'm working on now yeah, on here. Yeah. Well, let me tell you something. That's not true. <laughs> that's just not true. And, um, you know, hopefully this will be a good place to get through some of that stuff. Thanks for being on the program. Of course. Thanks for listening to Parenting Today's Teens. For more information, visit parentingtodaysteens.org. And to learn more about Heartlight, visit heartlightministries.org. If this podcast has been helpful to your family, please share it or give us a quick rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Of course, you can listen to Parenting Today's Teens wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us tomorrow for another great episode. We'll talk to you then.